The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It sure is, and welcome to the uh, Thanksgiving long weekend edition of the Pinpoint House Show. Good to have you along on this, uh, can I say, lovely morning. A little gray, but it's kind of bright anyway, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because we're taking your phone calls and answering your questions on the show. As we always do, you'll want to reach out to Dr. Lou now. You have questions about your own health or calling on behalf of a uh, shy friend or a family member. Do so, 416-870-6400. That is how it's done, 416-870-6400. Bring up the topic. It doesn't matter. We'll talk about it over the next hour and hopefully get you some answers. You want to reach out uh, anytime, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, and pinpointhealth.ca. Good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, John. I'm well. How are you? I am uh, I'm good, raring to go. What do you got to, what have we well, got on topic today? I guess to some extent I'm lying a little bit. I've been suffering from quite a bit of back pain um in the last you. few weeks and uh and I thought that'd be a good place to start since uh you know eighty percent of the population, the prevalence and incidence of low back pain um is eighty percent. So that means at any given point uh, 80% of the population will experience some type of back pain. Or if we state it another way, um, you have an 80% chance that in your life you'll, you'll have some type of back pain. Now that's yep. a pretty high number, right? Like that's, that's significant. And I, I see a lot of people with back pain, obviously. And um, a lot of people will sort of say like, why me? Like, why did this happen? And then I sort of have to burst their bubbles. And I say, well, it's not really just you. It's actually a lot more people than you think that suffer mm. uh, from back pain, from mechanical back pain. Um, and I know you suffer from it at points, John. I suffer from it. Um, the biggest thing with back pain and where I sort of dispel some of the beliefs uh, around back pain, and maybe, you know, I don't know that everybody is necessarily happy to hear this because, you know, you want to hear the guy on the radio who's a, an expert essentially tell you that um, you could do something to cure your back pain and it'll never bother you again. And you know, you know well, John, that I never say that, right? I, nope. I focus based on the research that says that, you know, that number of an 80% chance, once you've experienced low back pain once in your life, it's likely to go up from there. And then after you've experienced it a few times, you essentially almost have a hundred percent chance of consistently re-experiencing back pain at some point. And again, you and I are examples of that Two people that have had um, back pain and, and we manage oh, yeah. it day to day. And, you know, and that, and that's what I'm going through right now. So I've had low back pain probably started for, I've had mid back pain for a very long time, but low back pain for me started maybe about five or six years ago. And you know, when I'm acutely exacerbated like I am now, I get the treatment that I need to get in order to uh, help bring it down. Uh, but then day to day, like you, John, and like a lot of the people that I've helped, what the recommendation becomes is the act of rehabilitation um, that you do every single day. I sort of a lot of the times use the analogy of if you were diagnosed with diabetes or some other long-term condition that doesn't necessarily have a cure, but management and if the example is with diabetes, you've been asked to take medication like metformin, you're going to do that for uh, essentially most of your life at that point, right. uh, unless something drastic happens. Um, and, and that's very much like back pain. The, the rehabilitation aspect is that daily dosage of something that will help you. And, you know, and, I, and I do that. The reality is that even when you do that stuff, you, you can still exacerbate yourself. There's, there's you no doubt about that, right? What, what 
doing that stuff really does and where the difference is is two scenarios. Uh, and we've heard this again when we've had people call in on the show that have had low back pain for a long period of time, have never really done anything for it. Um, it seems to get better. It happens once a year. Now, all of a sudden, 10 years later, it's happening all the time. And they're so severely disabled right now because of, you know, they blew a disc or whatever it may be. That could be one story. The other story is I have low back pain. I manage it day to day. Once in a while, I get a flare up, but I know what I have to do after a few days of doing what I have to do, maybe a week. I never am really that bad. Uh, I, I control it. And then I go on with my life. Those are two very different scenarios. Um, and, you know, I can't give you the scenario of, oh, you know, the average person can say I've had low back pain. I did something. I've been cured and I've never had it again. Has that ever happened? Yes, of course it's happened. It is not common and it is definitely not the majority of people. The majority of people, even people who deal with back pain the right way, will experience back pain again and they'll have to keep managing it. And although that is. You know, it's not it's not the fairy tale story that people want to hear when it comes to their health. Because, again, I, I see a lot of people that sort of come in and, and, and they'll say, like, you know, I was hoping you'd have something that would be like a miracle. And I'm you know, I've never advertised that for all the years that I've been on the radio. I've never advertised for anything that there's any miracle to this stuff. What I really focus on is that we know in healthcare. For most things, actually, it becomes management and taking care of yourself. And so I bring a very realistic approach um, to back pain and other musculoskeletal uh, conditions and how you take care of yourself when you're suffering with these things. And, you know, once that is explained to a patient, uh, you know, I, I can almost say that 100% of the time, or maybe 99, I can think of a few people who weren't happy, but they appreciate the honesty. They appreciate that I'm not there to try to you know, have a gimmick or something and, and try to sell them on something that's not really going to help or, or whatever it is. I, I, I do a lot of things like that. I had, a, you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show, not related to low back pain, but knee injuries. I had a patient that had very severe osteoarthritis and wanted to do PRP injections because they right. had heard of it. And again, I, I've gone through the research on this one. When it's severe, the outcomes are not really good. And I knew the financial position that they were in. And, and I basically said, I don't believe it's worth it. Um, you know, and, and they were sort of like, they were actually trying to convince me, like, are you sure? Like, I'd, I'd want to try it. And I basically said, listen, at the end of the day, when you look at the evidence-based approach, one of the pillars is what the patient wants. I said, so that's the most important one. If you want it, you want it. But the other two pillars of evidence-based medicine are um, the best scientific evidence and clinician experience. And in my experience and what the research showed, that wasn't going to help. And so right. I just, it became my job. And I told this person, I said, listen, I don't, when I make a recommendation, I don't consider like, well, there's money to be made there or something like that. It's just whatever the recommend, if I genuinely thought, even though it is expensive, if I thought that it was going to be beneficial, I would have said, you, you should consider it. Uh, yeah. That's not my job, right? My job is not to manage finances. I'm not a financial advisor. My, my job is to give the recommendations that are uh, evidence-driven, clinician experience, and what the patient wants. And, and that's what we did, and we had a good conversation. Um, but it just goes back, and I'm saying it to really highlight the point that, that that is my overall management to a lot of these things, is really understanding where is the management and where is the best uh, approach to it that, again, takes into consideration scientific evidence, clinician experience, and of course, the one that trumps all else, what the patient wants. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you spend a lot of time getting past that C word, cure, that people are looking for a cure for everything. I mean, it's it's just, 
you know, if the last year and a half has shown us anything, cures aren't really readily available. Treatments <laughs> are, and, and management is, but God, it's not about a cure. And and lower back's a tough, you know, sarcasm aside, and you know, not not meant to be tongue in cheek, but it's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned it, you and I both. I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, Almost 30 years now I've been dealing with this. When I'm 51, it'll be 30 years, which is in a couple yeah. of months. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the gym after this show. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's there and it's going to be there. It's like luggage. You keep that stuff forever. So you just got to treat yeah. it and do the, it properly. The, right? the, the important thing is, though, that most of the time it's not hindering your life. It's not affecting, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, negatively. When we talk about we've had back pain for a long time, that doesn't mean every day I and experiencing back pain. What it does mean is that once in a while, depending on whatever has happened in my life, maybe I've overdone it in one way or another, I experience back pain. You learn how to manage it. But you're absolutely right about that C word, cure. That is something that for a very long time I've, st- I've shied away from because as I got into the, the career that I'm in and as you know, we've built Pinpoint Health and, and I'm ingrained in this stuff, I've seen, and like you said, the last year and a half is a very good example that this idea of a cure for most things is not really the, what ends up happening. Most things that we have in healthcare, we manage. Now, there are some, yeah. some exceptions to that, but we manage. And we know that like, the, the idea of a cure means that it's gone. It will never come back. And, and that is not something that's very um, common in anything really when it comes to healthcare. And it really is about good management, taking care of yourself, doing all the right things and staying healthy and having well-being. That's the way we roll, and we'll take a short break. You want a phone call, you have questions about uh, well, especially lower back pain, right, or anything else, bring it on, 416-870-6400 is the number you always want to use here. We'll continue Pinpoint Health Show on Global News Radio. Yep, you bet, 1120. We're going to keep going here at Pinpoint Health Show, reaching out uh, now, 416-870-6400. Lines are open. Give us a call on this holiday Saturday morning. We'd love to talk about your health, get some quick answers, or at least get uh, pointed in the right direction. After the show, you want more of a lengthy conversation with Dr. Lou, member of his uh, his team, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-U, and pinpointhealth.ca. Back pain, lots of it going around. Management, uh, what's going on, pal? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, as we, we before we went to break there, we were talking about the idea of back pain uh, being cured. And, and you know, it is that underlying belief for most people that, again, the average person that doesn't understand uh, the, the breadth and scope of overall medicine and wellness, right, which is the average person, it's not their job. So, you know, they're not they're not going to see that with with back pain and most things that are uh, musculoskeletal, so things related to aches and pains in the body. There's this idea that it will just go away for whatever reason, right? And and part of that is probably because when we're young, um, natural history. So just the fact that you hurt yourself, you leave it, it gets better, and you're young, so things heal. And, and that that actually does happen up until about 25, 26. We are pretty resilient in in that span of time where a lot of things that happen um, could sort of go away, and they don't necessarily bother you but again one of the things that i talk about is always the realm of possibilities that you don't know and most people are not thinking 20 30 years ahead of time and examples of this include any type of traumatic i see lots of people in their 50s and 60s that have some type of complaint that they're dealing with and and the genesis of it as we go back in their history is something that happened when they were younger in their 20s uh, be it a, a sports type of injury, uh, a car accident, a work accident, whatever it may yeah. have been. 
And, you know, they sort of say, again, it's, it's incredible when I do the work that I do, how consistent the story across people is. And then it's, it's, and again, it's a really interesting thing for me to be able to observe in my clinical work where I talk to people that think they have a very, very unique story where, hey, I you know, was in a car accident in my 20s, as an example, and I hurt my low back at the time. But then after you know, a couple months and I did some treatment, it got better, it never bothered me again. And you know, fast forward 30 years and in the last 10 years, it's just been an ongoing battle. And, and you know, now I'm at the point where I could barely move. Um, and, and yeah, you know, everyone, but I hear that so often that type of story. And, and again, maybe the little nuances of that story may change, whether we're talking about a sport injury, a car accident, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but the outcome ends up being the same, that there was this initial, uh, injury of some sort. They were young. They did a good job healing on their own because that's what our body does. But then we lose that ability to heal. And and, and we also, again, we don't, any type of injury predisposes that area of the body to further damage. As an example, I saw a person um, a couple days ago who was not very old, actually. They were, I think, late 30s, maybe uh, maybe just slightly into the early 40s. as an athlete growing up, lots of knee injuries, lots of surgeries as a result of that knee. We looked at that knee. We took an x-ray of that knee. For his age, it's a significant amount of arthritis. It's not, you know, we wouldn't term it severe. But again, when we're comparing uh, uh, n- normalized data across ages and normalized levels of degeneration across ages, he's definitely more severe than most people in that age bracket. And, and it is more severe than his other knee where he had never really had many uh, types of things. And, and, and he basically said to me, like, well, why, why is my knee this bad arth- from an arthritis perspective? And I said, because that's what happens. You had a lot of injuries in that, in that knee. You had surgeries. And that is all, even surgery is a controlled form of trauma, right? It's done in a controlled environment. But the body doesn't know it's trauma. And so when we do these things, uh, that process of, of what happens in the future and the degenerative component of it does expedite. Now, and there's a way to manage that and, all, and, and to do the right things, but that is the reality of, of musculoskeletal injuries is that, yes, they may in the beginning seem like they've gone away, but I, I have very few people with very few types of musculoskeletal injuries, and whether we're talking about tennis elbow, a knee issue, plantar fasciitis, it, you don't often hear people that say, I have, I've had it only once. You hear people who come in and say, I've been dealing with this over and over and over again. And anybody who's listening right now that may be in you know, the fifth or sixth decades of their life can tell you, yeah, I've had plantar fasciitis and I've dealt with it yeah. for 30 years. It doesn't hurt me every single day, but there's times when, yeah, it flares up and I've got to be able to control it. So the, 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 the message that I'm trying to get across is that proper management is the key to having the best outcomes because you don't ever want to get to a point where you're so in such severe pain or such severe limited motion or whatever that it creates a level of disability. Uh, and that is the key to, to, to prevent that type of, of outcome. You want to be able to go on with your life and do the right things. And especially now as we um, are living longer and longer as a result of modern medicine, and, and, and that's only going to become uh, longer as time goes on, that we will live longer, uh, the reality becomes how at that point, and one of the most debilitating things in those decades of life, 
is musculoskeletal injuries or the consequences of them when you were younger. So, you know, just because we can increase the number of years that we live, I think everybody, and John, you and I have talked about this a million times just, you know, between you and I, it's not just quantity, but quality. And, and our bodies matter towards quality of life, the ability to be moving around. Most older people that I see that have severe disability as a result of, you know, whatever musculoskeletal injury are just, they don't, they don't come in saying, you know, they want to be playing 18 holes of golf three times a week or whatever. They talk about very simple goals. Like, I just want to be able to, to move around the house so that I can take care of myself. I want to be able to go to the grocery store so that I can get the things that I need. I want to be able to see my grandkids. These are very, very realistic goals that, again, if you have the foresight when you're dealing with this stuff uh, earlier on uh, and you think of this, how do I want, and, and it's, it's, Refreshing to see. I, I, I think I get through to people on this show with this perspective because I do have a lot of people that come see me that say, hey, I've got this injury. It's actually not that bad, but I'm here because of what you said on your show. I'm concerned about what will it be like in 20 or 30 years. Like I have things yeah. that I want to do at that point in my life. Is there something we can come up with now that can help me in the future? And the answer is often um, yes. And, 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 it's a lot of it is very simple things that the person has to implement. We're not talking about rigorous treatment protocols or anything like that. It's oftentimes more the right things that they should be doing. Right. So as an example with that person, the 40 year old with the knee issue, um, you know, he wants to be active, likes to go to the gym. I basically said, that's all fine and great. I would just stay away from high impact things like say the treadmill. He wants to do a component of weightlifting and cardio. And I basically said, you know, go more towards the things like cycling, elliptical, so that you're not adding pressure. And that's a very, very simple uh, piece of advice. But the magnitude of that advice in the coming years and in the next 10, 20 years, it, it, he, he won't even appreciate the magnitude of understanding that if you don't keep running on it and, yeah. and, and doing those things, what, what benefit it'll have. And a lot of people don't understand that. But the magnitude is incredibly large. And although it seems like this very small, quick, you know, piece of advice, um, again, what the outcome of it will be can actually be quite large. 416-870-6400. You have questions about your health. It could be about lower back or, or plantar fasciitis or anything for that matter. Give us a call with the remaining time. 416-870-6400. You, you use the word management all the time, Dr. Liv. Let's, let's kind of change that to treatment. How have you seen treatment change we could focus on lower back, I guess, but how has the uh, treatment progressed, say, over the last 10 or 15 years, in, in your opinion? Is, is it going in the right direction? Yes, for sure. Um, and, and let's go even further back, say, than 10 or 15 years. Let's say sure. over the last 25 years, right? Um, you know, once upon a time, if we look at the number of, of back surgeries that were done, we see that that's going down, as an example. And, and we know because any good spine surgeon and, and most of them are anybody that I've ever had the opportunity to work with um, is very good. And, and what they'll tell you is that, you know, surgery for back issues is more related to if there's a deficit uh, in say nerve function or something where there's an easy way to, you know, pardon the pun, but pinpoint the issue, mm -hmm. uh, but generalized low back pain, right? If we're just talking about, I've got low back pain, that's very generalized that's not a good reason to be having low back pain or having surgery. I'm sorry. Uh, a good reason to have surgery is I've got a severe disc herniation and, you know, I can't move my foot anymore because the pressure is so bad that I've lost all motor function. 
then surgery is probably a good option. But those are two very different things. And so the management of that back pain, let's just call it back pain, not the sciatic component, yeah. uh, but back pain, that, that number of surgeries is very, very much decreased. What we also see is that there's a rise in that rehabilitation and active care component and less and less a reliance on just passive modalities. But even the modalities that are passive that exist are overall better than they were 25 years ago. A lot of the stuff that we had 25 years ago was more just to deal with the pain. Now there's actually things that can actually help the healing process, even in the form of injections. And one of the things that we just talked about, like if we looked at the example of, say, something that's been around a a very long time, like a corticosteroid injection, a cortisone injection is a way of eliminating inflammation, um, Versus now, you know, things like PRP in the future, we'll see stem cells. These are healing types of modalities and healing types of injections, not just simply analgesic, which means to eliminate the pain or mask the pain. And and there's other things like that, like, you know, once upon a time, the focus was more on, say, TENS, electrical therapy, very much an analgesic. Uh, now we have different things, say, like an example, laser therapy. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know, laser therapy or PRP is good for any type of back pain, but there's a change in more healing types of modalities that can actually help to promote the healing process. Um, So yes, there's been, I think, a very big change in the approach. I think the healthcare professionals that deal in this realm of back pain, as an example, are aware of all this, and even their approaches have changed on how they deal with people. And one of the biggest things is we know we have to make the individual part of the journey um, and and, and activity and, and being doing things, right? This is, again, if we look 30 years ago or 40 years ago, if you went to your family doctor um, because you had low back pain, you were prescribed bed rest, right? So you'd sit, you'd lay in your bed for a week and you'd actually get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Because right. Now we now know how bad that is for you. And I laugh only because it's, it's like, you know, no one would ever recommend that now. Uh, and, and if you did, it would be like, wow, you're, 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 you know, half a century behind where you should be. Uh, and now the, the recommendations around a lot of these things is active rest, which means, yeah, you right. might not be doing the thing that's aggravating you, but you're still going to do something because movement is, is critical for the human body. Want to get to a, a quick call here before we break. We've got a couple minutes. We'll do it. Uh, Christina, thanks for hanging on. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Well, uh, just recently in August, I uh, had an injury to my back, which I had x-rays for, and it came out that I have uh, this T10 and T11 that have anterior fractions. Um, okay. So I'm wondering uh, how I should maybe be going forward with those. those how, how, how old are you? Do you mind me asking how old you are? 39. 39. And there's, so there's anterior fractures in the vertebrae at those levels is what you're saying? Yeah, I guess that's what yeah. the... the have, you, uh, have you ever had your bone density checked? Like, yeah. has anyone yeah. ever said anything about osteo? Penia or osteoporosis, anything like that? I had a bone density last year and everything was fine. Now, is there anything that you can think of that created those fractures? Like, was there a significant injury that happened or, or not? Yes. Yes. I was, uh, okay. I, I was lifting someone heavy. 
Okay, so so okay, so there's a clear indication as to why they've happened. The, the good news is they're overall stable, right? So this isn't like this. The, you know, some spinal fractures are are threatening because they might affect something. Those types of fractures are stable, so you're not at risk of like being paralyzed or anything like that. Um, really, it's just healing, right? At this point, it's it's more about letting that area rest so that it can heal. But again, active rest. This is the important thing. I, you're not someone that I would say, yeah, you've got to sit down and not move around. You probably could benefit from different types of stretches and simple movements to help that healing. Um, there's also some good research for different types of modalities um, that if mm-hmm. used can help the healing process with fractures and things like that. But again, this is a management thing. In terms of long-term um, you know, they themselves will likely not cause you pain. But what will happen is, again, that area, because as I was saying at the beginning of the show, um, those are areas that have now undergone a significant amount of trauma. They are more predisposed to degenerative changes. That is not something that will happen quickly, but something to consider for the future. Okay. We're going to uh, let you go there, Christine. You want to give uh, Dr. Lou a call because we've got to get to a break. one 855 doctor Lou. one 855 doctor Lou. D-R-L-O-U, pinpointhealth.ca as well. Frank, stand by. We'll get to you right after the break. And your phone calls, 416-870-6400, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. And we are back, 416-870-6400, on the Pinpoint Health Show. Feel free to call through and ask your questions, get some answers. Hi, Frank, thank you for hanging on through the break. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, I have a torn rotator cuff on my shoulder. Uh, I had an ultrasound done, MRI, and I was told that I need surgery. Uh, the problem is there's been delays, I guess, because of this COVID thing. Things, uh, surgeries have been delayed. Uh, I'm wondering if there's anything I can do in terms of exercises, uh, uh, you know, range, range of motion stuff or stuff like that uh, to kind of help me uh, heal uh, before the surgery because I'm finding cer- certain exercises that I'm doing is, is causing bruising around my biceps. So I'm just wondering what kind of feedback you might have. Yeah, so so number one, I would say anything that is creating visible bruising, that should be dismissed immediately. The, the, the reason why this is sort of a loaded question for me is, number one, the rotator cuff muscles and tendons are a group of, of five different tendons uh, and muscles, so it really depends on which one is the one that's injured because they all create a different uh, motion. Uh, is there stuff that you could be doing, like the idea of what we call prehabilitation, which is getting healthy before surgery. Yes, absolutely. It helps with the outcome after surgery. Um, It needs to be very specific, though, to the individual and what the problem uh, is. So in general, I would say, yes, there's stuff that you you could be doing in terms of what exactly. Well, it it would depend on me looking at it to see exactly which um, tendons are affected, where your limitations are, and where you can be working. But one thing that I can tell you for sure is what you're saying. If you're doing something that's actually causing visible bruising, then you're, you're probably not making that better by creating visible bruising. You're likely making it worse. And anytime that you do, and this is something that I always tell people, like if you've done something and it creates a visible change, like, you know, say, for example, the knees, a lot of people say, well, I go for a walk and when I come home, they've swelled up. Okay, well, then you've got to find something that allows you to move your knees, but doesn't create you to swell up. Um, that, that's not a good thing. That's just showing that there's, there's trauma happening as you're doing that. And that's what bruising is an indication of, is, is trauma. So you've got uh, to dismiss that one. 
That, that's great feedback. So if I were, say, to arrange an appointment with you and bring, yeah. say, uh, the MRI results, would you be able to kind of pinpoint what things I should be doing I can do in yes, preparation sir. for surgery? Yeah. I will have someone, if you've left your number with the call screen, I'll have someone call you on Tuesday when we're back after uh, the long weekend, and we can absolutely set that up and we can look at that. And again, that's, that's, what I, that's the proper way to do it, right? I'm not a big fan of generalized exercises and things like that because it, it yeah. really does depend on the individual's actual diagnosis and where their limitations are. And, and that needs to be uh, figured out based on, on the individual. Appreciate the feedback. Thanks. No problem. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Frank, and appreciate that. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. That's the number you want to use to uh, to reach out. Going to move down the line. Next caller would be uh, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Thanks for hanging on. Hi. How are you today? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, I was actually just released from the hospital. I spent nine days there, um, mostly pain management, waiting for an MRI. And it turns out I have uh, three herniated discs uh, in the cervical spine. And um, I'm just in uh, I'm just in agony uh, 24/7, and uh, really the main uh, issue for me is uh, I cannot sleep whatsoever. Okay, and what uh, I'm assuming you've had those MRIs. What did they determine as the next step for you? Yeah, so basically they're hopeful. I'm 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 37, so I'm young enough. I'm in good shape. Um, so they're hopeful that you know they said you know that they should resolve on their own, but this could be three to six months. And in that three to six months, just, you know, sit in bed and take opioids kind of thing. And it's just really not my style. I'm someone yeah, that, even, that's you know. definitely the wrong approach. So, there again, this is where the treatment comes into play, right? This is where you've actually got to be working with someone, some type of a therapist who's going to help you through that. There is a much better approach. And it's funny that I just said that anybody that recommends that is about 50 years behind where they should be. But the idea to just sit and not do anything exactly. and just manage with, with med- medication may very well be part of it. That I'm not, I'm not actually opposed to that side. Uh, it depends sure. on what we're talking about, but I am absolutely opposed to the idea of do nothing. Um, and, and that's yeah. a, that's a crazy and archaic idea. So um, it, it's, it's actually quite sad to hear that that actually still happens, that type of advice. But same thing, like I told the previous caller, I, I can have someone call you. We can, we can take a look at this uh, and, and see if we can make uh, some recommendations and get you set up with the right people to help you. Uh, you know, the, the advice that it might take a few months is not necessarily wrong, but is there a way to go through that where you progressively you're getting better um, and, right. and having to be in agony? Yes. Uh, is, is medication maybe part of that? Yeah, but, but definitely not just rest. Yeah, thank you. And, and I'm a kinesiologist, so my background, you know, is, I, I understand the body. I'm aware of myself as well. But, but yeah, like I said, if um, I'm happy to hear from your office and get some recommendations and do something because I don't want to sit around and uh, and just be in agony and and you know not not live my life. But like I said, the main part of it is sleep. Do you have any recommendation for me at all about how I can get a couple hours of sleep with this? Well, I, I'm assuming you can't sleep because you're in severe pain, right? Is that yeah, a fair yeah, assumption? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Th- that's always a tough one, right? And that's a lot of people that are in severe pain. Funny enough, the first goal is like, I just want to be able to sleep because I can't, yeah, I right. can't get comfortable. Um, that, again, goes back to trying to figure out like, well, what can we do to get you down in some pain level? Sometimes medication is the answer for that. Sometimes it's finding the right ideal position. Um, in general, could I give you any, like, I, I, can't, I can't think of anything that I could just spew out of my mouth right now. 
um, that would make the difference. When it does come to sleep, one of the things that when people are having problems sleeping that I really try to do um, is eliminate all caffeine. Like, I don't care where it comes from. People think it's just in coffee. It's not. Eliminate all caffeine everywhere. Uh, minimize any sugars, uh, carbohydrates, and things like that, uh, you know, after, say, like mid-afternoon. Uh, don't right. have, don't, don't eat a massive meal. Uh, so these are other things that could be advice for sleeping that may, uh, from a secondary standpoint, may help. Um, so sure. I would try things like that. Okay, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. No problem. Thanks, Cameron. Uh, again, reaching out, 416-870-6400. The next few minutes of the show. Uh, Monica, stand by. We will get to your call as well. Lots more Pinpoint Health Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. It is 1149. We're back at it. A few minutes to go. 416-870-6400. Thank you so far for uh, all of your phone calls this morning. Monica, you as well. Thanks for standing by. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? So I'm actually a licensed paralegal that deals with a lot of workers' compensation injuries, particularly in WSIB. And a lot of things that Dr. Liu was saying today um, completely reflect my line of work. Um, on my end, in my practice, I've been seeing a lot of uh, lower back injuries and shoulder injuries, particularly disc uh, herniations and rotator cuff tears. Now, there'll be, you know, discectomies, arthroscopies, and nothing is really working, and, and it often results in permanent impairment, uh, particularly right. when it's superimposed on other comorbidities such as degenerative changes and diabetes, often, you know, resulting in a piece of capsulitis. So my question is, how, um, in your medical practice, do you avoid uh, permanent impairment and get proactive towards recovery rather than reactive? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it, it goes back to, so I think number one is that the diet, so the two things that you brought up, disc herniations, disc bulges, and rotator cuff tears on imaging are not diagnostic. So, and, and what I mean by that is it's a clinical impression. The, the key is to then correlate the patient clinically with the findings on an image to actually come up with a diagnosis. The problem with those two things is that they're so common. So the research shows if we took 100 people in the population at random and we did MRIs on their low backs and on their shoulders, we're likely going to find that 50% of them have one of those two things. So if we're doing, let's just stick with the low back. If we're doing the low back, scenario, we're going to find that 50% of the people that we just did an MRI on are going to have evidence on imaging of disc herniation, disc bulge, but not the same 50% are going to have the symptoms associated with it. Mm. So these are what we uh, overall call incidental findings. The problem that often happens is, okay, person A has back pain. You do an MRI, they have some type of a disc bulge. Therefore, the back pain must be a result of the disc bulge. That's the wrong approach. You've got to correlate to make sure that that's the reality. The amount of times that I've seen people that have said, oh, I was told that I have a disc bulge and that's why I have pain down my right leg. And then I look at the MRI, it's like, but your disc bulge is on the left side and it's at L4 and you're getting pain on the right side in an L5 distribution, as an example. So that is, is I think, accounts for a large portion of that issue that you're you're speaking of why do people undergo these types of procedures and then not get better and that's one component the other component is the quality of injury that happens after those 
types of things anyway. So even if disc herniation confirmed on imaging is the result of, of symptoms patient is experiencing, is it the whole is it the whole result of every symptom? Maybe it's the result of that leg pain that they're dealing with, but the low back pain that happens after the surgery is probably more related to deconditioning of the muscles as a result of the trauma that had happened. And same thing with the shoulder. So at that point, it's the rehabilitation um, that is often missed, unfortunately. So I think, you know, those are, that's my opinion. Um, and there's some research to support the things that I said around the imaging, but I think that's a lot of the times we deal with a lot of different types of um, third-party payers, be it car insurance, WSIB, and, and we see a lot of this stuff um, where, you know, and, and the other thing that I'm sure you're aware of as someone who works in that thing is that in that industry um, is that sometimes there's a, a, a secondary gain for the patient to not want to get better. And that, and that can't be, um, that can't be overlooked either. Right. And completely understandable. So if I understand uh, your response correctly, um, for, for the more symptomatic individuals, you would prefer more active modalities rather than passive in order to yes. streamline recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for answering my question, Dr. Lewis. Much my pleasure. Appreciate your time, Monica. Thank you for uh, contributing to the show. So uh, that's kind of an interesting thing you say, that that 50%. I mean, does that then come back, Dr. Lou, to the physical examination? Because you've always said in the show forever, you cannot solely rely on, you know, MRIs and, you know, ultrasounds and CT scans, so on and so forth. They don't tell the whole story, right? Uh, Absolutely not. They don't. They don't. Those images, that... That level of diagnostic imaging is to confirm the suspicion of a clinician. So that that is really something that it shouldn't bring you to the diagnosis. It should help you to confirm what your thoughts were. And the problem is that it's used in reverse. The other problem is that the general population believes that that stuff is the gold standard of diagnosis, right? So the amount of patients that come in and say, well, I've got low back pain, I want an MRI, but they're not clinically indicated to have that MRI, um, and then there's an uphill battle because they're so focused on an MRI because they think that will tell them what's wrong with them. And, and it won't. The, the reality about imaging of the body is you're going to see a lot of incidental things and things that, you know, may not even be contributing to your pain, but might not sound great. And the amount like, you know, a quick example of that is people who say I have back pain and I was given an x-ray and it says that I have degenerative changes in my low back. And it's like, Big deal. Uh, everybody past a certain age is going to have a certain level of degenerative changes. The question becomes, is it significant and is it what's causing your pain? And, if, and, and the answer to that, 50% of the time, again, going back to the research, is no. So you're flipping a coin um, and there's a better way to do it. You've got to then have someone who's competent in the area that you're dealing with and be able to correlate it and and say okay hang on a second we've got this image but now let's do a very good physical exam that's that's important and after that physical exam you could say yeah you know this actually does seem like it's related to what we're seeing on that image or no it's not and i think it's actually this and you know people will then say well how come that's not on the mri not not everything pain is not something that always can show up on an mri right Pain is an experience that we have in our bodies, in our minds, um, that, uh, you know, and, there, and, there, and there's more complicated stuff. Again, there's a lot of factors to consider why um, someone is not getting better or, or why certain things that should have worked don't work. It's a gotcha. complicated 
uh, level of involvement. Last couple minutes here. Well, I uh, maybe got time to squeeze Tony. And Tony, thanks for hanging on. What's uh, what's going on with you? Hey, Doctor Lou, how are you? Hey, hey, Tony, good. You? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, I, I was in a car accident, as I was mentioning to the screener, uh, about a year and a half ago, and I've had multiple injuries. The one that's more concerning to me right now is I've been getting for the last six months this numbness from my shoulder down to my uh, elbow, and uh, it's tingling and numbness that comes and goes. I've done a recent x-ray, but a couple of weeks ago, I didn't hear back, so I'm assuming they didn't see anything, they didn't find anything. I'm just trying to figure out what might, might, might be causing that. Again, so this is sort of the point that I'm trying to make. The, the unfortunate reality is that for most, and especially general practitioners, now I don't say this to criticize general practitioners and family doctors because they have a very hard job where they have to know a lot about, or a, a certain amount about a lot of things. Like I don't necessarily know as much about, you know, whatever else, fill in the blank. But when it comes to this stuff, the first thing that should be happening is most times that things like that, can be diagnosed on physical exam. Second of all, x-ray for that type of, uh, of presentation is probably the least warranted of all, of all things in terms of trying to figure out what's going on. It's the quickest, but it doesn't really provide much information. Um, so again, I think, I think there, has, there's a, there is a better way to diagnose it, and I think it starts with a good physical exam, looking at talking to you, understanding you know, what's happened, how this is going, and then running you through some physical exam uh, testing. And then at that point, you know, someone like me might say, well, okay, uh, you know, I think maybe we need uh, a nerve conduction study as an example, because it might be like an entrapment somewhere, uh, and, and we just want to confirm that it is or is not. But Again, the, the problem is, is that people, that, that a lot of healthcare professionals use the image as the diagnosis or the, the, the study as the diagnosis when really it's just an impression and it needs to be correlated with someone who knows what they're doing in that realm. Um, so I would say, again, similar to what I've said to a few of the people, we should probably get you in, have a look at it, and, and at that point I can make a very clear recommendation. Tony, appreciate it. And that would be the end of our time today. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, to reach out. And you can also, uh, you know, go to the website, pinpointhealth.ca, info at, to reach out through email as well. We'll join you again next time right here, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.